Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Bench with Carter Eckle. This is episode 94. I'm your host, Carter E., joined always by my producer, Jeff Mulvahill Jr. of InstaImage.com. We got a guest today, uh, one of the uh, only remaining undefeated football programs in the state of Nevada at this point. Uh, not to not to hype him up too much here, uh, but Douglas High head coach Kyle Mays will join us here in just a second. But of course, before we get started, would like to thank today's sponsor that is Played Against Sports, your best place to go for new and gently used shopping equi- sporting equipment needs uh, located in the Topsy Lane Shopping Center, or you can check them out online at www.playedagainstsports.com. Kyle, sitting at 4-0, uh, sitting here on a Sunday afternoon in your uh, your classroom for a little uh, behind the, the microphone, so to speak. How are you doing? Thanks for taking the time to uh, join us here. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm doing good. I mean, obviously, you know, some of the struggles we've had the last two years, so it's significantly different this year sitting at 4-0 and the kids feeling pretty good about the work they've put in. You know, I'm curious. You We've talked a lot about the off-season work you guys have put in, uh, and the kids have said it too. Was there... Was there a point in the offseason where it kind of felt like things were maybe changing, or was it even as far back to the end of last year where you kind of felt like, okay, you know, you're going to have 25 seniors or roughly 25 seniors, you're, you know, put in that, all that time in the offseason? Was there a certain point where it kind of felt like, okay, this could be, this could be the group where we kind of start putting it together? Well, we, I mean, overall, yes, there's probably a spot in going into the spring that you felt like we were on the right track. Uh, January when we changed semesters in the school and we transferred out uh, the seniors and the kids in the weight room that didn't want to play football this year and ended up moving in the underclassmen and some of the seniors that came on to play football this year is when you realize, like, okay, we've, we've got a significant number of seniors. You know, at one point I think we were at 26. Okay. And we're down to 24 now. Okay. So it's not like we've had a huge loss there. But, um, you know, probably a month or two in, after we had sat down with some people outside the program and figured out how to structure the the weight room, you know, we sat down with ourselves and brainstormed. One of our JV our JV head coach Morgan Ovard uh, did a tremendous job, uh, kind of helping guide me on that and helping me out. He's in the classroom with me, and he was the teacher in the weight room. I was more or less the assistant, and he just ran everything. He did a great job, and the kids bought in, and just got significantly stronger and I think moving into April and May how they realized how much weight they they gained lifting wise mm-hmm. I think they they really really bought into the overall process which I think as you know young men the more strength they gain the more confidence they get in this world yeah absolutely and you know Obviously, coming from a football coach, I think most people would expect to hear how important the weight room is. But I am curious your your thoughts on just how important that offseason training in the weight room is, given that um, you can see kind of results, whether it be personally or on the field as a team, too. I mean, I think that the last two years, um, I probably didn't put as much expectation in the weight room as I should have. In, in discussing with people, I mean, obviously I've got you know, personal life issues that were kind of standing in the way there. But uh, once I did kind of see the importance of it and how much it benefits the overall picture of this thing, it's significant. I mean, because, again, a young man that feels like I can push some weight around, he wants to go out there and challenge himself against another man, you know, and, and watching the kids do that. I mean, the other night we had Austin DeCruyff, pick six at Damani and I was talking to him the next morning I was going hey 
you weren't thinking as you were running that ball back, like, oh, I should have taken it easier in the weight room. I was like, you're glad you you stepped it up and mm-hmm. worked your tail off in there. And he was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. I guess you, you kind of led into Austin DeCruz interception. And they, it was my lead in the, the recap was kind of you kind of could feel. I mean, I watching you guys all sprint on the sideline to follow him. You could kind of feel. I guess maybe, maybe this is too much, but you could kind of feel the the joy coming from the way the last two years have been and to see those kids just hooting and hollering on the sidelines, following their teammates all the way down. What was that like for you, uh, let alone to be to be 4-0 and get that win, but to, to see that team come together like that in that moment um, and for it to seal the game? I mean, what was that like for you on the sidelines? You know what? It's even more impressive watching the replay, really. Uh, in the moment, as a coach, you're – You've got so much going through your mind, making sure people are back on this. And we talked about this the next day. Like, we got to be careful on the sidelines just because you never want to – one, the officials are in the way. Right. They're running down the sideline. You never want to injure one of those guys because they're looking at stuff and not paying attention to you, and that's what they should be doing. They should be watching the field. And, so, and then you never want something like that to lead into a reason for the thing for somebody's joy to be called back. But on the on the note of, like, the energy from the kids, like, that's probably the best part is they, they truly enjoy – the success of an individual that bleeds into the team success, of course, and and the, that we hear it every single week this year. There's a different feel on the sideline this year. There's a different energy on the sideline, and part of that is my demeanor has changed this year. I've tried to be a little bit more, let's say, free flowing for the kids, uh, not quite as hard on them. Probably not as strict all the time on them as I used to be. Um, but but I think it's I. I think to some degree it's a lot of that's paying off that them buying in in the weight room and knowing that they're, they're putting in the work. I mean, we everybody's seen it the last couple of weeks. Austin dropped a couple of uh, interceptions and, you know, kids have been kind of giving him grief about it. And he finally, finally sealed the deal on it for that thing to go a hundred yards. He caught that at the goal line. Mm-hmm. Let's not cheat that kid by a yard or yeah, two. He, sorry. I put 98 in the recap. So my apologies. Yeah, <laughs> he, he, he took it and he went to the house and you had Cole Smalley and Trace Esta seal it. You know, they got out in front of some, uh, the Monty Ranch offensive guys and, and sealed that sideline. Guys were running downfield to try to give him blocks, and luckily he made it happen, man. It was pretty it was pretty exciting. I mean, you watch, the, like you said, the coaches are running down the sideline, players are running down the sideline, or injured kids are running down the sideline. There's just so much energy involved. It's so great to see. Yeah, and you know, I was, I was talking to Austin about it post-game, and, you know, recency bias aside, right, because obviously in the moment or moments after the moment, you go, wow, that's the loudest I've ever heard it, but it for a road game for you guys, and granted, I personally am not covering many of your road games, but did that feel like one of the the louder atmospheres for you guys as a as a road team? To be fair, I'm deaf in one ear, so <laughs> I if my headset's on, I can't hear anything. That's right, you guys told me that before. Yeah, because yeah. in in one of your clips at the Elko game, I could hear the volume of the crowd when we got that last interception. I was like, gosh dang, like it was really really loud that that night. Down on the field, I can't tell the difference because, you know, my, my bad ear. Okay. I just – I don't – I can't hear that stuff, you know. So uh, you can feel the energy from the stands. I mean, you could hear that there wasn't a ton of them, but the, the student section the year and night, I could hear them throughout the game okay. uh, getting into it. You can feel that energy and hear that energy. I, I mean, so to compare it to energy in the past, you know, I just – I don't really have the – the gauge on that. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough gauge for sure. And like I said, recency bias really plays into it when when you have a, a nine, n- excuse me, a hundred yard interception <laughs> yeah. return for a touchdown uh, to, to seal a game. 
I guess getting into to this season and some of the changes you guys have made from the last two years, you specifically took over the offense. I guess I'm curious what your kind of first goal was in in the offensive side of things, given the way you guys had been in your first two years as head coach. What was kind of the was there anything in particular you were looking to establish on the offensive side of the ball? I mean, our here's what a lot of people don't understand about the last two years and how the offense was run. Like the the offense, especially last year was able to move the ball. Mm-hmm. We just kept shooting ourselves in the foot. We had so many turnovers and so many bad plays that, you know, false starts, holding, stuff like that, that we, you know, obviously we as coaches have to clean up in practice. Uh, but my number one goal, and this is just the way that I handle things, it's I've always handled when I was running the defense side of the ball at the freshman level, I just try to simplify it so the kids know where they're supposed to be and what what they're supposed to do when they get there. Because that's number one, you know. I mean, there's a lot of guys you see on Twitter and, you know, on TV and whatever that want to be the smartest guy in the room. And I've heard this so many times. It doesn't matter what you know. It's what you can get the kids to do. And that's ultimately what matters the most. You know, if you don't overcoach it and don't give them too much to think about, you'll probably be fairly successful. And I would say that was, you know, coming into this season, that was the biggest focus was just making sure the kids understood where they were supposed to be, when they were supposed to be there, and what they were supposed to be once they showed up. And I think it's paid off. You know, teams will see that we run very specific plays a lot throughout a game, you know. Yeah, and I'm not trying to get you to divulge the, the all the secrets of the offense, but if we could pull back the curtain a little bit, you guys have started to – to run some hurry up this year and really get to the line. And maybe I missed it a little bit in previous years. It does seem like it's a little more uh, part of the offense this year. Was that, or is that just for Damani? I guess it would be a better way to phrase that. Is that something you guys, you think you guys are doing a little, a little bit more this season? No, we went to the no huddle. I mean, some of the hurry up was, was stuff that we've seen on film, the the way that we just ran right to the line and try to snap it with a, with a play. Um, But the the no huddle look that we're going with it was I kind of got talked into it. I'm not sure if I should say this, but by Ernie Howard, okay, of all people, you know, Coach Monflo ran the no huddle, and for years I I, I uh, for the last couple of years we were like we don't want you know we're a little bit paranoid as coaches, people stealing our signs, people doing this, people doing that. So we, you know, we wanted to huddle up so we kind of keep things under wraps the best we could, and. You know, Coach Howard just ended up telling like, like, like I think that would be best for you to try to go there. You can slow down. The, you know, he just talked me into is what he did, and I think it's, I think it's paid off because it's easy to huddle up once you're, you know, if you're if you're no huddle, it's not easy to no huddle when you're a huddle up team. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the aspect. I, I prefer to go the the harder route first and then ease it back, than to ease it back and then try to go the hard route. So in terms of having signs stolen, are we going to start seeing towels up on the sidelines <laughs> on three angles to block everybody from seeing the signs you guys are calling? It's 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 <laughs> funny because the uh, couple of the games, the kids would come over and tell us like, hey, like they know some of our either signs or verbiage and. You know, sometimes you're like, like, okay, like, how do we change it? But then you risk the kids getting a little bit lost in the moment, mm-hmm. or even the coaches. Like, I make the other day in practice, I was, I was calling the wrong play for the formation that we were in, and for a split second, like, I could not figure out why the kids were confused, and it dawns on me, why I'm calling it wrong, right? So, in the heat of the moment on game night, like that stuff happens too. Like we put them in a bad spot, and they look like, how are we supposed to perform this when it's kind of going against the grain? And so, 
you you concern yourself with it, but then you also go, okay, let's just go back to what we know, right? Even if they know what's coming out, we still got to perform. They still have to perform. You know, you're putting your 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 success into 16, 17, 18 year old kids' hands. Like, let's see who's going to perform better here. Yeah, so we're, I guess we'll go from the kind of a thousand foot view to the more the more micro view here, since we've been talking about the offense. Get into some of those kids specifically, and I think I'd be uh, remiss if I didn't start with Connor Jackson, who has roughly 620 rushing yards and nine touchdowns through his first four games. Uh, obviously, one of the highlights of your guys' team last year as well. Um, what have you seen him? do to be able to continue to build off of the season he had last year where he was an all-region player and to come back and I mean shucks it's a little too early but probably already locked up an all-region spot already not to try to get him to to go, yeah, I go mean, against it but how how impressive has he been in his second year or in his senior year too as long as he stays healthy he'll be good but he you know he really his sophomore year when we shut down their JV season had to bring them all up to varsity a bunch of kids, Austin Kroof, uh, Westbrook, obviously Smalley, Koontz, Estes, mm-hmm. all those guys, Owen Evans, were all on the varsity participating at that point. Then you brought up and we threw in the fire. We threw in Austin to Kroof. We threw in Ledger Soul. We threw in Austin Pitt. We, we threw in so many of those sophomores, one, because we had to. We just didn't have the bodies at the time. And Connor was one that, like, the first time – we ran this drill. He was going up against Gabe Foster and Anthony Menzer. He's a, Connor's a sophomore, mm-hmm. and you got the big dogs from the senior class. And he just grabs that ball, go head to head with them, and everybody kind of knew, like, hey, he's a little bit different. Like this kid is is something special. And then last year he came in, and you know we probably could have had a little bit more success, but he he was our workhorse last year too as a junior. Even coming in there, we had a kid that. Um, Ultimately didn't make it, but it was supposed to be kind of in front of him. But he stole the spot from him and uh, was the starter all year. And he, I remember when he was a sophomore, we were up at Spanish Springs, and he took a lick from their middle linebacker, just bounced right up like no problem. Like and you just like he's tough, you know. And he's put in the work in the off season to gain that muscle, gain that uh, that speed. He went out for track and got faster this right, off right. season, and it's paying off man he's he's got a really good rapport with that o-line and his lead blocker andrew strand um where they just they just know what to expect when they get downhill on these teams and um you know hopefully you know knock on wood he stays healthy because he's gonna have a heck of a year if he does yeah i gotta talk about the o-line too and uh feel free to throw in any names i miss here because i know you guys uh obviously have a few a few dudes there that are capable of you know a pulling and B obviously making the space for for Connor to to get through. But is is there? I know we've talked previously for some of these stories of guys who've impressed you the most. But you know, as a, as a unit between you know Sage AD, Michael K Hill, uh, Michael White, um, Jack Ross. You know, what do you? What's been kind of the most impressive part about about them this this fall? Yeah, I'd say Ledger Soul too. But, you know, who's a center, right? Um, they, I would say this. They communicate with each other. Right, and they they stick together, you know. I mean, everybody knows the the trenches are the unsung heroes. Right. They don't get their names Absolutely. in the paper. Yeah. And every chance I get, I try to throw their names out there, get them in front of the camera because they deserve it, mm-hmm. you know. And the kids obviously love that stuff and enjoy the publicity that they do get when they get it. But they uh, they they just work hard. I mean, that's that's my favorite spot is in the trenches every year because those kids are just willing to sacrifice for the ultimate goal of winning for the team, and they. They just buy in, and they're so much fun to be around. 
I mean, we, we, we try to feed those. We have, I put this out on Facebook a few weeks back. We have our annual hoggy luncheon where the skilled players have to bring an offering, and people just absolutely love that that tradition that we have. And the offering is either they got to bring sodas or drinks or something else, a dessert or something. The, the, the program provides the, the pizzas for the for the meal. And those kids, they love that stuff. They, they love hanging out with each other. They love uh, – working and grinding every single day it's it's a fun fun group to see I mean you've got kids like Justin Parham McGee that was a tight end he moved to tackle you got Trevor Shaver mm-hmm. that we've mentioned a bunch of times yeah he plays mostly a defensive side but he's always over there pushing the offensive line um who else are we missing there you got kids like Brayden Lenz that uh that just try to help us out and give looks and add some depth to that old line and it's just they're a great group to be around obviously they're successful right now look how we're running the ball we don't we don't hide very much you know we're we're running power and they know it mm-hmm. yeah and i mean that's got to be one of the more intimidating things to see as an opposing team of hey we know they're going to do this and uh, we can't stop them which has got to be a good feeling on uh, on your side of the things when when that's that's the case because i'm sure you know know how it feels the, the other way so oh, oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah i've definitely been on the other side of the ledger there where where you're like the, we know exactly what they're gonna run at us and you're just hoping somebody falls over or something you know <laughs> uh, um but the, but that's you know going back to, all the way back to we talked about coming into this year we said like what what are we going to be like what are we going to focus uh, a majority of our time on and I think a lot of people I consulted thought we should have probably put in a little bit more plays and 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 window dressing in in the spring and stuff and we as a staff just decided like. It gets to third and three. What are we going to run? Like, what type of team are we going to roll the dice and just try to figure out? Or are we going to be like, hey, this is this is the meat and potatoes of our offense? And we, you know, decided on that. And it's again, it's fun to watch because they've run that play a lot this year, and we've made a lot of yards off of it. And I promise I will get to the defense for everybody listening. The defense <laughs> has been very good. I, I, you know, save the best for last, right? That's, yep, that's what exactly. we're doing here. Uh, but before we do that, I gotta I have to ask about the the passing attack between uh, quarterback Jackson Ovard and then some of his options with Trace Estes, Kyle Koontz. Um, you know, I know uh, Andrew Strand's been in the mix a little bit, whether it's blocking, running, or kind of as a as an as a receiver out there. Um, you know, what's it been like to see see those guys kind of grow into the role this year? I know. Kyle and Trace were big parts of the team last year as well, but to see them all kind of click this year, um, what's that? What's that been like for you to see as a as a coach? It's been great. I mean, obviously Kyle and Trace are six foot four plus. I mean, they're big targets, big hands, athletic kids, tough kids. Um, you know, we we try to get them in the mix as much as possible. But again, it, you know, there's only one football that can go around, and you know, every kid wants the ball in their hands. Just not all of them get that opportunity, right? Um, Andrew Strand is just our guy that that kind of does a little bit of the dirty work, gets in there and blocks, and then we sneak him out into the flats and hit the hit him, and he tends to be open uh, a decent amount of time. And you know, you got Aaron Moss caught a couple passes the other night. He's kind of uh, been improving week to week in his route running and mm-hmm. his ability to catch. As far as Jackson Ovard goes, couldn't be more proud of that kid. Just learning the offense, learning his reads, putting in the time, putting in the effort to to earn the respect of the upperclassmen. You know, because when Owen went down, I think people were a little bit concerned, um, and I don't think people realize what we had in, in in Jackson, and and he's done nothing but but 
I guess, solidify the offense, you know, because, mm-hmm. again, like everybody thought when, when Owen went down, like uh, we could be taking a couple steps back. But luckily for us, we haven't. And even better for us, we're going to be getting Owen back in a couple weeks. So that will add a different dynamic to our offense. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, switching over to the, the defensive side of the ball, you guys are allowing uh, four points per game for anybody who can do some some easy math. That's 16 divided by four. Two shutouts already this season of those four games, only giving up two scores in one of them. Uh was this what you were expecting from from this defense? I think anybody called me a liar if they thought I was expecting this. No, I mean, and you know, we went out to Spring Creek. And I told I, I'm always honest with the kids. I knew we could win the game. Like you know, I I, I knew our kids could could perform on the six hour bus ride. I did not think they were going to perform like that. Like they, that was pretty impressive, and they. They take pride in that defense, man. They take pride in being physical. They take pride in uh, pursuing the ball. You know, we had a couple struggles on Friday night, and deservedly so. Like, Damani's a well-coached team. They want to run the ball. They want to pound the ball at you. And they did a good job. They moved the ball a little bit, but our defense bowed their neck when they needed to. And that's my favorite side of the ball, really. The kids always give me a little bit of grief this year now that I'm running the offense (laughs) because uh, all the way from their freshman year, I've always been heavily involved in the defense, whether I'm running it or uh, just just a, a strong assistant on that side of the ball. I love the defensive side of the ball where the kids are giving me grief this year saying I'm an offensive guy. But it is, it's so impressive to see the improvements that so many of these kids have made on that side of the ball. And it's nice to, to have a, you know, we always call it black hat defense, and they are really, really living up to that to that persona. It was funny. That was a term I first heard from from Cole Friday night, Cole Smalley, uh, when he he mentioned that. I guess I'm curious if you could expand a little bit more on, uh, I guess, that mentality of, of black hat football, if you don't mind. Well, it obviously stems from our helmets being black and uh, the – you know, any defensive coach always tells them 11 hats of ball, 11 hats of ball. So it stems from years and years ago, at least in the 80s, if not even before that, uh, where they just start saying, hey, black hat defense, like get your black hat to the football as fast as you can and be physical when you show up to it. And any defensive guy will tell you. Tackling's much easier when there's 11 guys standing there, you know? Like, you don't have to worry about uh, about a guy breaking loose when you've got almost every defender within five yards of him. And I would say with this group, that's probably one of the more impressive th- feats is, is you look on film and there's – Seven, eight, nine guys. Sometimes all eleven guys right by the ball when it when the whistle blows, and that's I mean that's any coach's dream when you see that. And it's so tough on a on a ball carrier when he gets up and all he sees is the opposing jerseys and he sees all these black helmets and orange face masks around him. Like, oh my god, are these guys ever going to give me a break? And we've seen what happens when opponents only try to have one guy tackle Connor Jackson. It usually doesn't go well for for the defense either. No, because we carried that black. <laughs> Had uh, mentality over to the offense too, because we want to be physical. We want to get downhill. We want to we want to get behind our pads and push that pile. We have, you know, every offense and defense has goals every week. You know, hundred yard rush or two hundred yard uh, passing, whatever that looks like. And one of ours is a um, hundred yards after contact. You know, and we just go through the film and add it all up. If you know, if Connor hits the hole and hits somebody one on one, breaks contact and runs for another twenty yards, it gets put into the into the equation. You know, and they they really really like that one because it entices the kids to get to the pile and push 
they they really really enjoy it. It's it's just it's a fun group to watch, and they also take that mentality over to the special teams this year. You know, we we fly down Phil. We struggled a little bit the other night mm-hmm. on special teams, but we'll hopefully get that cleaned up this week. But the kids, you know, really take pride in that black hat uh, mentality. Yeah, you know, continue with the defense. Can't go very long without mentioning Cole Smalley. Uh, senior, obviously, his brother brother Chris is up at up at University of Nevada right now. Uh, this is only through three games, but 34 tackles, seven tackles for loss, three and a half sacks. Was there any doubt in your mind this is this is the kind of player you were going to have for his senior year? I mean, no, <laughs> no. There, you know, Cole, there's there's a few kids here that you just go like, we absolutely knew that was going to be coming. He's obviously at the top of the mm-hmm. list. You know, where, where I think Cole did the most is uh, in the weight room. He had that ankle injury mm-hmm. lingering from last right. year, missed a good portion of the basketball season, uh, had the surgery on it, ended up going and uh, gaining weight. I think last year he finished at 185 or so. He's up over 220 right now. And, and you can see when he hits another human being, you can see the weight difference. I mean, he's – you know, since he was a sophomore, he's been hitting people and being pretty good. I mean, going back to that Carson game when he was mm-hmm. a sophomore and he, uh, you know, got after those guys. But he putting on that weight, I think, is is one allowing him to not get as physically beat up in a game because he he he's so physical. He's obviously takes a toll on his body, but he's he's holding up and doing pretty good this year. And he's he's just so, I think, physically imposing to people. It's it's pretty impressive, but yeah, coming into the season, you knew he was going to be a dude. Yeah, he was. Uh, I guess our podcast before the season, Duke Rittenhouse said your your early preseason favorite for five A Division three player of the year was was Cole Smalley. I think that's ringing true here so far. Um, I I do real quickly if I could divert, have to give a little bit of props to Damani's quarterback. He rolled out on a play this past Friday, and Cole was barreling down on him and he knew he had to wait to you know give his receiver an extra second to get open and he did it knowing the price that was going to come and cole may have sent him sliding back about seven yards but uh the kid hung in there and took a hit cole even gave him props afterwards uh my apologies i don't remember the damani's quarterback's name off the top of my head but last name jameson jameson thank yeah you. It, thank i you. mean that let's not take anything away from our opponents this year like I mean, Elko was an extremely physical, mm-hmm. well-coached, uh, organized team. Spring Creek was big and physical. Um, uh, Argonaut was was a scrappy team, a little bit thin. I think they had 25 kids, but those kids gave this were out there, gave everything they had. And Damani, of course, Damani's a proud program, man. Those guys never quit all the way up until the bitter end. I mean, those, those guys, they're tough. They are tough. Don't let that scoreboard fool you. Those kids gave everything they had, and they deserved that respect. And that kid, Jameson, was just the same. He held in there, and yeah. he took a lick from one of the best players in northern Nevada. Uh, to, to Cole's battery mate, uh, Aaron Tekanzik, also at lineback, linebacker. I know we've talked about him. You described him as a, a guard at linebacker, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, could, do you mind expanding on that a little bit just for our, our audience that, uh, that's listening here? So it's, it's funny because people— People that don't know wouldn't understand that comment. But, like, obviously, when you think of an offensive guard, you don't think of a kid intercepting a football and running it back for 15, 25 yards, right? But that's Aaron Tekansik. He's out there as a as a, as a a middle backer with the cowboy collar on, um, you know, just in his, in his high-top cleats. I mean, just <laughs> he looks so old school. It's so much fun to watch him play. And then when he got that ball in his hands twice against Spring Creek, watch him run down the field. It's, it's just 
it's a mix between comical and heartwarming because he's such a great human being. He's such a good kid. He's he's a ranch kid. Um, he wrestles. He plays baseball. Just a tough, hard-nosed kid. Shows up all the time. Very, very smart on the football field, and that's why he is as successful as he is because he's probably a little bit less athletic than, than some other kids, but he is uh, intellectually up there with the best of them. And he... Puts himself in a good position, but when he's out there running loose, sometimes you're like, that's a guard playing middle linebacker, <laughs> and I love it. Uh, you know, touch, touch on a couple other guys here where I got you. You do have some players who still go on, on both sides of the football, that being offense and defense. Talked a little about Trace Estes. Kyle Koontz has done a really good job on the, the D-line. Uh, Nathan Stevens also, I think, has has spent some time going uh, on both sides of the football there on offensive and defensive line. Uh, we talked about Trevor Shaver. I don't think he's played a whole lot on offense, no. but has been a big, a big influence for you guys on defense. Defense, uh, you know, of, of those four, I mean, kind of. I, that's I know that's a little bit of a random group, maybe, but uh, kind of walk me through what what you think has been some of their most impressive moments, maybe this season. I mean, they all do something slightly different, right? Um, but I'd say the kids that play heavy both ways. Obviously, Trace plays both sides of the ball. Aaron Moss plays both sides of the ball, and Kyle Coons plays both sides of the ball consistently. Connor Jackson will play a little bit of defense as needed. Um, Trevor Shaver, strictly defense. Mm -hmm. uh, who else? Nate Stevens will get in a tight end for us when Kyle needs a, a okay. break or we need to move him in, in positions on the offense. But those kids, you know, Aaron Moss plays DB and receiver, right? So there's a lot of running there. You got Trace Estes plays receiver and outside linebacker. He's in the trenches for a lot of plays on defense. He's out wide on offense and just takes a lot of guts and a lot of determination to play both sides of the ball. And they do a great job of giving 100% effort throughout the process. And it's it's – because it's not easy. I mean, we're now we're in a good position being that we don't have to play Cole and, and – Zach Westbrook and some of these other kids on both sides of the ball. We get to allow them just kind of focus on their on their duties on one side of the ball and and give their best effort, which I think is paying off for us right now. Uh, I know we've mentioned a lot of names, and uh, I've only got a couple more questions for you, Kyle, before we let you get out of here. Um, but anybody else you want to want to mention before I bring up a read here uh, to before we close? Um, I mean, we've got some underclassmen that just do a, a tremendous job. Uh, putting us in a good position the other night. You had Brenton Weston get a get an interception. Yeah. Um, he's he's a kid that we try to find places on the field to get him because he he just is a playmaker. He can do a lot of stuff for you. Obviously, we've got our sophomore Zach Jackson, who is just an absolute shock this year. Had a great interception, stall oh. a drive before oh. halftime against yeah. Damani. Yeah, and he you know he's just such a tough kid when what barely 160 um playing safety for us doing such a great job we got a kid justin parr mcgee i mentioned him earlier moving from tight end to tackle uh who's just been getting better by the week he's 215 pounds he's a long-haired kid he's 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 pretty special just such a good human being and they're just working their tails off i mean some of these underclassmen don't get as much typical right yeah. they don't get as yeah. much playing time as they want as they like but they show up every single day and they grind and it's 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 fun to watch them yeah i'll lead with or i'll finish here with uh reed before we get out of here a little bit of a short week for you guys it's a thursday night kick uh as i tweeted out saturday before that carson game stop yelling at officials so we can continue to play all these games on friday thank you very much yeah. um a little bit of a short week uh you know it's funny i i deemed damani as you guys's toughest test yet but now would you kind of claim reed as that with them with them uh next on the docket oh yeah 
Oh, yeah. That's, I mean, we, you know, kind of the way our season is stacked up so far, it's like gotten like progressively more challenging as the weeks have gone on. And obviously Reed is one of the top dogs in all of northern Nevada, you know, let alone just on our schedule. And they're going to be they're going to be deep. They're going to be big. They're going to be fast. They're going to be physical. They're going to be very well coached. They've got a lot of uh, really good kids and really good athletes on on that team, and it's going to be a challenge. I mean, we you'd, obviously you'd be a dummy to overlook Reed ever, <laughs> ever, you know, but uh, coming on a short week, like you said, it's going to be a big challenge. It's going to be a really big challenge, but I think our kids like it. I think they, they like their odds. I think they want to get out there and try to prove themselves because, you know, you said it the other day, like, you know, shattering the expectations. These kids know what has been said about them yeah. where, where other people put the expectations for them before the season. Absolutely. And I think they're really, really kind of enjoying uh, the, the spot that they're in. So, uh, I guess if I had to put you on the spot here, would, would you say there's one aspect of Reed's game, whether that be passing attack, rushing attack, or somewhere on defense where you think they're the strongest or, or do you think that will cause could potentially cause the most problems for you guys? I mean, they they present a lot of problems because again, they're very very well coached, but their their front line offense and defense are some large human beings, and they just move the the line of scrimmage. Whether they their defensive line moves the offensive line back, their offensive line moves the defensive line back, and that's always been a struggle, right? Like if sometimes football is about the bodies that you have mm-hmm. in the trenches, and they've got bodies, and so that's going to give us. Uh, significant trouble that we got to try to address. But they, you know, I mean, I think Reed's got a legitimate shot at winning the 5A2 North and, you know, giving Minogue a little bit of run for their money. I mean, we'll see. Don't count out Spanish Springs on that either because, you know, Coach Hummel and those guys always got those kids prepared and ready to rock and roll. So that that league should be exciting. But we've got a big test against those guys this week. Uh, big shout out for Douglas High head coach here, football head coach to Kyle Mace for joining us. Kyle, anything else you want to add before while we got you before we let, we let you get out of here? Well, I, maybe a few things actually. Okay. Like one, I think yeah, everybody I agree with you should stop yelling at the officials. <laughs> they don't, they do not make the best choices. It goes against as we get frustrated as coaches as well. Which I think if anybody's gonna get the most frustrated, be the people putting in the blood, sweat, right, and tears right, on the exactly. field. I, I mean the fans and the parents. No, I don't no, mean no. you guys on the field. But, but we need to as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, last, I don't know if you've heard some of these stories. Like last year, some of the schools had coaches threatening officials. And it's like, can't that happen. is absolutely insane yeah, can't that happen. you do that. And luckily, the co- the head coaches of all the programs have agreed, like, if that stuff happens, like, that person's gone. Yeah. You know? And, uh, That's the way it should be. Yeah. And so they've done a good job. You know, obviously, the parents and the fans should just be focused on the, the product on the field absolutely. and not, not worried about the officials because y- you screaming from the stands is not going to help anything and it's not going to change anything. Right, right. Um, you know, I mean, I want to give a shout out to to a lot of the people who have supported us throughout this process because obviously the last two years have been pretty rough for the, for the program. You know, you got guys working behind the scenes like Coach Monflo, Coach Rippy helping guide me. Uh, you got, like I said before, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say it, but Coach Howard help. You know, just just helping guide me through stuff. You got our administration, our AD John Glover, who's going to absolutely hate me for this, but this is what he gets mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. for for fighting for our kids. To be in this position, and I uh, that that gave us a lot of hope. Our superintendent Keith Lewis, you know, went to bat for us to yeah. put us in a position to 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 be where we are, and and the kids are taking advantage of it. You know, I mean, it's it's 
pretty special so far. I mean, we got a long way to uh, a long way ahead of us before we uh, kind of look back and relish the moments. But uh, but I'm excited to see what's ahead of us. Awesome. Well, thanks again to Douglas High football head coach Kyle Mays for joining the program. Uh, thanks you to today's title sponsor that has played again sports, your best place to go for new and gently used sporting equipment needs. You can also check them out online or in a brick and mortar store in the Topsy Lane Shopping Center. As always, thank you to my producer, Jeff Mulva Hill Jr. Instaimage.com. None of this happens without him either. Uh, thank you guys for listening and we will catch you guys next week. Take it easy. 